Welcome to the Dead and Married Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about the 2020 movie, Psycho Gorman. A rare instance where we both actually like the movie. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. (laughs) No, not really. I took a lot of notes on this one. (laughs) So did I. Which is unusual for me. (laughs) This film was written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Uh, He also did Leprechaun Returns in 2018. He did The Void and from 2016 he did one called Manborg which is, I guess was his original 2011 apparently took him three years mm-hmm. to complete that movie and he was also W on uh, ABC's of Death Part 2 I haven't watched that movie in so long I, couldn't. I don't and remember I, anything about that you movie you keep trying to get me to watch The Void I don't know why it's just not like hitting me <laughs> it's good you should check it out but this has got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 91%. That's pretty good. Which is, I think, probably the highest one that we've done so far. Its Metascore is a 67. And just to throw it in there, RogerEbert.com gave it one and a half stars. So they hate it. Don't they hate everything? But typically anything that they hate is a good movie. <laughs> Seems to be that so way. So if they rate it very low, you should probably watch it. I'm sure it's good. <laughs> or at least in our opinion. Absolutely. So this movie stars a bunch of people that you've never heard of before. <laughs> the lead character, I guess, Mimi, is played by Nita Josie Hanna. Her brother, Luke, played by Owen Meyer. Psycho Gorman himself is played by Matthew Nineber uh, and voiced by Stephen Vlahos. Greg, the dad, is Adam Brooks. Susan, a.k.a. Mom, is Alexis Kara Hansi. And your narrator, and this was, I found this pretty interesting, is Kenneth Welsh. And for those of you who don't know who Kenneth Welsh is, the man's done a ton of work, most of it's TV, but in this house, he's most famous for playing Wyndham Earl in Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. And last but not least, Alice Dare is played by Scout Flint. Now, from what I could gather, most of these are actors that either he had worked with before you know, on other projects mm-hmm. or they were friends. Friends mm-hmm. of the family or local actors and actresses. So, And I know the dad has like a long history with trauma, at least a couple of movies. So he's, he's kind of got that flair for the weird and over-the-top movies. There's a lot of... <laughs> strange movies Father's if you look Day. at filmography for these folks there's a lot of weird <laughs> stuff in there but don't let that scare you off just because for some of these folks it was their first film just because some of these folks are associated with I, I don't even know if they would reach up to the b-movie consideration probably somewhere below that but it's still a good flick so sort of a really really short plot summary of the movie that we're about to cover is after unearthing a gem that controls an evil monster looking to destroy the universe a young girl and her brother use it to make him do their bidding Mm-hmm. I'd say that's fair. Mm-hmm. That pretty well covers all of it. So, Ashley, what do you think about Psycho Goreman? Well, I'm going to try not to use the A word again this time. I'm so bad about doing that. But I actually really, really love this movie. It's, I feel like, something we sorely as movie audiences needed with everything being so serious and dark these days. It was really refreshing just to get something that was just a genuine good time. I've seen some unfair complaints and criticisms about this movie that I don't agree with because sometimes it's fun just to turn your brain off for a few minutes, you know? What did you think? I love this movie. (laughs) 
I do. I've really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the, some of the critics have been really unfair. I think the Rotten Tomatoes score 91% is fairly accurate though. It's just a fun movie. It's not going to change your life. It doesn't explore social issues. It doesn't do any of that stuff. It's just a good, fun, gory movie. Yeah. And it's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very just reminiscent of your childhood and brings back this big nostalgia period, like Power Rangers and, you know, stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. I watched it and I was taken back to being 10 years old and waiting for the school bus and watching Power Rangers before I went off to school. You know, there's just, they don't make movies like that anymore. No, but one of the reasons I think that those shows back then were so popular is that they knew what they were and they embraced what they were. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that knows what it is. Exactly. And I've heard some critics say something different than that, but it's clear that all the actors in this and the way it was written, it's meant to be campy. It's meant to be corny. It's meant to be over the top. And they just embraced it and ran with it. Right. And I can appreciate that. You said that the critic scores were pretty good, right? The Everybody Rotten Tomatoes except scores? for RogerEbert.com. Right. Well, but those assholes don't know anything about <laughs> movies. He said not to take his word as gospel, but what really broke my heart was listening to James A. Janice's review of it on the Kill Count and the Dead Meat channel. He just like freaking broke my heart because I've been watching his move, his uh, channel for a couple of years now and basically agreeing with everything he's ever said. And then he just like ripped this movie to shreds and I wanted to cry a little bit. I think I cried on the inside. <laughs> well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. Agree. <laughs> So with all that being said, what do you say we play some crazy ball? Let's do it. And now it's time for your obligatory spoiler warning. We don't just spoil movies here. They are spoiled rotten. So listen at your own risk or turn back now. So we begin the movie with a scrolling space intro. Those are great. And I don't know why I like that. I think it's just a callback to Star Wars, but they're kind of set in the scene. And the whole thing is being read off by Kenneth Welsh. And Earth comes up, and then we're transported there. And we go to Crazy Ball. This is our first taste of Crazy Ball. And Crazy Mimi Ball? And Luke are playing in the backyard. What do you think about that? I don't even know what to think about that scene. Um, it's just like some weird form of dodgeball. I mean, I don't, I've never seen anything remotely like that before. I mean, it seems like all the rules came off the cuff. Like, it's just. Well, clearly it's a game that Mimi just made up. Yeah. Because you have to, there's one part, you have to throw the ball up in the air and do a jumping jack. And sometimes they have to hold the ball in your head and spin around. And Yeah, you like hit her in the butt or something. If the balls collide in midair, then whoever punches the other one first wins. Yeah, switcheroo. Isn't yeah, that switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> It's really entertaining. You got a lot of slow-mo shots, like bullet time of these kids throwing dodgeballs at each other. It's just, a, it's great. And of course it has that like death metal music going in the background, or I guess more like Power Rangers battle music or something. Yeah, you get some heavy guitar playing. <laughs> and they do this cut where it's just showing them like spinning around and the music stops. I don't even know what you'd call a shot like that, but perspective shot, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a film student, but it's just funny. They time out the music for a minute to go to this silly bit and then they pick the music right back up and we're back into the action and it's it's a good time yeah so just as expected they hit the switcheroo mimi wins and then we cut to a new scene and it's luke digging a hole in the ground she's because making... apparently the <laughs> consequence for the loser was that they had to dig their own grave i love that can i just say that i love that so much like it was that scene where i was like okay mimi's everything to me now and she's complaining about it she's like hurry up so i can bury you and go get dinner <laughs> it was amazing she doesn't even care but this is when he finds the stone 
the glowing pink stone, but it's stuck. Uh-huh. Right? And she's like, get out of my way. Let me do this. And she just starts like eeny, meeny, miny, mo, pushing buttons until it pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the light fills, you know, starts coming out. And they're like, oh, crap. Fill the hole back up. And then it's time for dinner. Well, he did ask uh, if that's where they buried Grandma, which is funny because that comes back a few minutes later. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite jokes. Well, she tells him Grandma's in hell forever. Grandma, Grandma's in hell forever. Yeah. I just, she's so wickedly evil and i'm 100 percent here for it <laughs> so they do a really good job of introducing i guess the roles uh the the dynamic between these two luke the brother and they never just say which one's older i, I get the feeling that luke is the older one but he's very he's very passive he kind of goes along and he gets picked on a mm-hmm. lot by mimi mm-hmm. mimi is i don't i don't even know how to describe that pretentious doesn't do it justice uh-huh. she is loud she's a narcissist she is evil She's an evil child, and it's hilarious. I just, I, I, I just, I gotta say, watching this and Robin, if you're listening to this, which is my sister, guys, she is my sister to a T. Like the whole dynamic between Mimi and Luke reminded me of growing up with my sister, and I was the older sibling, and she just, oh man, she was like on my ass relentlessly growing up. And of course, we're best friends now, but there was just so much that was like. I'm pretty sure I lived all this. Better did, yet, I think you me 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 sometimes. I do not. <laughs> you so do. I have never made you dig your own grave. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> wait, Shh. wait till I burn dinner again. <laughs> yeah. So mom comes out and it's bedtime. It's nine o'clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point out that they managed to play crazy ball, dig a hole that was like huge. <laughs> It was like eight feet across and four or five feet deep with a shovel. And the kid did it by himself and they got it all done by nine o'clock. Now it's bedtime. Yeah, we couldn't get Aiden to do that in like a week. Like five years. (laughs) Right. It would never get done. They built a pyramid in less time than it would take him to dig a hole. Right. But so at bedtime, uh, it's it's Luke and he's uh, dad of the real monsters or the monsters. He's worried about monsters coming to get him. Because yeah. of the, the green light that came out after they removed and the stone. And at this age, should you really still be concerned and with monsters? I don't know, but I'm concerned with Dad. <laughs> Good old Greg. Because he says, humans are the real monsters. I mean, facts. I'm not going to disagree with it, but it's probably not something you should tell your child at bedtime. That's, that's probably true. Although, it, it's more comforting that humans are the monsters than actual monsters. Yeah. Maybe. That's just me. But then you cut to the, the parents tucking Mimi in, and she's also worried about monsters. Uh, but from a totally different angle, she says, can you make them kill Luke first? <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> so as long as he dies first, she's good. Right. So in the middle of the night, PG digs out of the hole, and somehow the hole now is even bigger than it was before. When he... Can I just interject for a minute that I, like those first few minutes, the interaction with the parents, I was so happy with because they really, first impressions, okay, this obviously doesn't stick, but first impressions was they seemed like they were the coolest parents ever. You know, they're able to make these jokes about killing the other kid, and the parents are just rolling with it, and just, like, I was like, oh my god. God, these parents are so awesome. And then Mimi does this thing right before her dad's going to leave the room. She's like, dad. And she like sticks her hand up for a high five. And I was, and he gives her high fives her. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing. Like, I'm so disappointed that that, that story didn't stick. Well, you just have to enjoy that moment while it lasts. Yeah. Because at this point, the parents seem normal. They seem think, really cool. I think mom continues to be normal and a normal person would sort of react to these things but dad is just he's something he's else in a whole different league uh, yeah but we'll we'll get to that in a minute 
So Psycho Goreman, we don't know that that's his name yet, but we have to call him something. Um, he digs himself out, finds his way to this abandoned building, and inside there are these three crooks, three criminals that have, I guess they just robbed somebody mm-hmm. and stole a bunch of dishes. They're I, dumb. Yeah. They're the stupidest <laughs> criminals I've ever seen. They're fighting over stupid shit. Yeah. Well, all they, they broke in and stole silverware. Yeah. And it's probably not even real silver. Right. They stole all the stuff and none of it has any value. Does anybody so, steal silver anymore? <laughs> I, nobody has silver, really, do they? I don't know. If you've got a real set of good silverware that you have to like polish and shit, let us know. <laughs> anyway, so two of the criminals are like, run away. And the leader's like, no, don't run away. And so Psycho Gorman gets the two that are trying to run and just rips their heads off. It's beautifully executed. This this is where we really get introduced to the practical effects, this first bit. Because you get the first three real deaths. Right. right. And the practical effects are pretty good. And I've stated before that I am a gorehound. And this movie just absolutely satiates that thirst. Yep. So the, the two get their heads ripped off and then he's about to get the last one and he says I don't want to die mm-hmm. and then he so PG Psycho Goreman says then live forever mm-hmm. and we don't really know what that means at this point right but it can't be good no no can't be good and I mean the his creature effects are just amazing so you know something bad's about to happen because he's very intimidating very scary looking I mean in, in the best possible way but yeah whatever he's doing to that guy is not going to bode well <laughs> right but let's Okay, it's a good costume. It is. I love it. But he's a Power Ranger villain. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like it's foam. It wiggles a little bit. It's supposed to be armor. You can tell it's a foam rubber suit. Uh, I will say, though, that it moves well. Um, it moves with him very well. The suit does. Well, it should. The damn thing was glued to his body. I mean, he, the guy couldn't even sweat. That's... They, they glued the whole thing to him. Yeah, right? yeah. I can't imagine that. I, it seems I, I really would, unhealthy. Yeah, it would seem like just melting alive. And imagine doing that for, you know, how long is a shoot schedule? Like 12 know. hours? I mean, longer? I don't know. But I read um, on IMDb that apparently the actor, uh, Matthew Nineveh, spent so much time in the suit that there were people on set that didn't even know what he really looked like. So when he showed up outside of the suit, they called security on him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine being locked in a sweatsuit all day long and then when you take it off, somebody calls the police? I think I remember Doug Bradley saying something about that, uh, playing Pinhead also, that um, nobody wanted to talk to him when he was in costume, so he just felt very isolated. And then when he was out of costume, people didn't know how to take that either. So it was a very lonely kind of experience. But I think it makes for better uh, trying to build your character and, you know, psych yourself up for that. But Okay. Let's be honest, though. Doug Bradley rolls in, dressed up as Pinhead. Are you going to try to talk to him? Because I'm not. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Way too creepy. No. Not going to happen. I'd be like, what's up? <laughs> oh, you're weird. I know. I know. So, <laughs> so in the morning, we've got Mimi and Luke and Mom and Dad standing in the hole trying to vote on who's going to have to fill it back up. Oh. And this is where you get to find out. You get to, you get the first peek at Dad. Yes. Right? Who he is, how he is. Okay, so for starters... If, say, Aiden and London dug that hole, I, this is where I disagree with the mom. I wouldn't actually be asking you to fill that hole back in. That'd be like, Aiden and London, like, you guys dug this. You're going to fill that shit back in. Well, they voted though, right? Because it's a democracy and they all voted for dad <laughs> to do it. And he was like, well, when I vote, I'm going to vote for all of you to do it as a family. <laughs> and then he immediately fake hurts himself. Oh, like, you the, get the first, lamest. You get the first taste of this guy's just a piece. Yeah. Like, it's that thing, you, you know, you ask somebody to do something and they're like, oh, my hand. 
oh, speaking of Robin again, she used to do that to me all the time. I'd ask her to do something. She'd be like, my hands are broke. You know she's probably going to listen to this, right? I don't care. <laughs> but she would. She'd be like, my hands are broke. And that is immediately what I thought of. It was just like, come on, guy. Like, way to be a man. <laughs> Right. So it's undecided who's going to fill the hole in, and they got to go to school. So as they're walking, we're get, we are introduced to Alistair, and that's an interesting interaction, don't you think? <laughs> I okay. So I live for Mimi's confidence. Okay, a lot of people say she's annoying, but I actually really find her confidence endearing, and maybe that's because I'm so hard on myself as a person. But she does this whole thing where, oh my gosh, what does she tell them? Like. Like, hey, cutie, that's a that's a cute little outfit you have on. Why don't you give us a spin? And I'm yeah. just like, yes. <laughs> hey there, hunky boy, give us a spin. Yes. That's what she says. Yeah, it's the best, and I love it. And, of course, Alistair doesn't give her the time of day, which is so sad, because she's totally adorable. Well, you get the feeling that Alistair is just there because he's friends with Luke. Right. She's got nothing to do with it. She's, I guess, the baby sister, maybe. Yeah, third and wheel. You, you get that a lot. It. They kind of leave her out of shit. Well, for now. For now, they do. <laughs> So that's it for school. Like that's the only other than a little bit later where there's a really short clip. That's it for school. Yeah, right? We don't for, see school again. No, not really. So maybe it was the last day or they just stopped going. Neither would surprise <laughs> me. But they were busy. Okay. <laughs> so that night they got to they gotta track PG down. Right, uh-huh. they want to know what came out of that hole. And when they get to the building, he's there in the uh, in the old shoe factory, mm-hmm. and he has, I guess, taken the two guys that he beheaded and sort of spread them over the chain link fence that's inside this building. Again, very Hellraiser, very Pillar of Souls. You know what it made me think about? What's that? You know, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they go into the room and all these oh, bones are on the wall, right? And it yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. there's a big bone thing, like, uh, the chair, sitting in the chair. Yeah, it's like that. Uh-huh. But it's human flesh on a chain link fence. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. I, I want something like that, you know, as a statement piece in our living room. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Help. <laughs> I'm just Somebody kidding. help. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, and then the, the head criminal or whatever, we see him kind of in the background and his eyes are just rolling in his head. Oh, yeah. It looks gnarly. Like not rolling around like full 360 spinning inside their sockets. We don't exactly know what's going on there. And PG comes out and he starts talking and he's telling him, I guess, you know, he's going to kill them all and all this uh-huh. stuff. And maybe just says, shut it. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. And at this point, she doesn't know that she can command this giant purple right. monster with pink stripes on him. <laughs> it's only stripes. It's like, it's like his veins or something. It's like... I don't like you. It's like cracked molten rock. Yeah, yeah, when you see cracks in uh, in uh, a lava flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can see the orange. Uh It's like that. Yeah. Um, she tells him to shut it, and he just does. So he he gets the little brother, and like what he picks him up, spins him around until he gets sick, and then he puts him down, and he staggers over, knocks into the the head crook. Oh, I love this scene. And he just splatters (laughs) on the ground. My masterpiece. And that's just as he was my masterpiece. I love that. So I guess PG had put him in a, a state of suspended animation of eternal, eternal torment. Yeah. He was my masterpiece. <laughs> and now it's time to make up a name for him. Because they ask him, you know, who are you? And he's, some people call me the Archduke of Nightmares. And she's like, no, nah, that's lame. Yeah. So they go through all these names and they come up with Psycho Goreman. Yeah. It's not particularly my favorite scene. One of the 
very, very few complaints I have is that as tremendous as this little actress is, some of her line deliveries are a little over the top. And so this whole thing where they're trying to come up with a name, she's like, it's new, it's now, it's hip, it's wow, or whatever. And I'm like, okay. Yes, that's actually exactly what she says. dial it back a little bit. (laughs) No, don't dial it back a little bit. Like I said before, this movie just embraces what it is. It's not like you get a ton of really serious performances and right. it's just this one actress that's blowing it out. They're all Don't get me wrong. She did amazing. I love and her. it fits. Yeah. It does annoy some people. Yeah. But I think in this setting, the type of movie that it is, it's fantastic. And another thing that I love about her is her complete lack of fear. I mean, this little girl is not afraid of anything. So when she discovers that she can basically command PG, I mean, it's on. So she remind, she's like a combination of both of our daughters. Yes, I would She's agree with that. She's got London's fearlessness with Isabel's I'm a princess and you'll do what I say. And her sense of fashion. Also true. <laughs> I love her. Like she's like wearing little pom-poms and pigtails and these little cutesy outfits and just throughout. I actually went and bought pom-poms so I could create those same rubber bands for Isabel. <laughs> so in the in, a, in our rewatch, right, because this is the third time I think that we've watched this movie. Fourth maybe. I think I, I glossed over it or something the first time we watched it. But while they're talking about what they're going to name him while they're discussing it he's told her that whoever holds the stone controls him mm-hmm. so while they're arguing over what his name's going to be he's running in place in yes. the background <laughs> she's got him running in place and he he said something so she tells him stop running clap your hands and so he's standing there clapping his hands the whole time um and i think she tells him to take luke and spin him around really fast a bunch of times yeah and that's when he knocked over the other guy so now we've got a name settled on she knows that she's in control she is relishing the idea of controlling this big monster. So she tells him to sit down, shut up, and wait for us till morning. And obediently, he goes over and sits down on a box and doesn't move. And now we've got the Mimi signature when she says goodbye. Bye! <laughs> I can't carry that out that long. Her bye lasts for like 30 seconds. Maybe like it's I a girl thing. I don't know. She had to breathe at some point. I love it. So now we've got all of our major players involved. And we cut to the Galactic Council. I don't know that it actually calls them that. I don't know what else to call them. I saw them refer to it as Galactic Council. Now, this is where you really get into a lot of costumes and creature creation. Mm -hmm. I really liked this. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, going back to like cartoons and stuff when I was a kid or um, Mm -hmm. Dark Crystal, right? Yeah. You get the sort of the Jim Henson stuff where you get a lot of really unique characters Mm -hmm. going on and, and... uh, imaginative design and no one of the people sitting around the table the aliens sitting around the table are the same i well, think it's fantastic and the director also said that he was hugely inspired by the masters of the universe movie which great flick one of my personal favorites and you, yeah you totally get that it like i said it brings back all this wave of nostalgia that you're just like this very much feels like something i sat in front of the tv watching you know i mean are they great costumes? Like, are they supposed to be believable scary monsters? No, but that's part of the fun of it. It's just so over the top and amazing. And for it being what it is, those costumes are amazing. The work and the detail is just very spot on. So people talk about guerrilla filmmaking uh-huh. a lot. This isn't guerrilla filmmaking. This is guerrilla creature effects or something. <laughs> It's like they didn't have access to their whole shop. All they had was like creature creator survival kit. Mm -hmm. And they did a fantastic job with it. Absolutely. You can tell it's foam rubber and plastic tubing. Mm -hmm. You can. But yeah, the level of detail they put into it, I I enjoy it. Again, In the best possible way. It's stuff that I would have watched as a kid. It comes back to the originality and stuff that you used to see in movies when I was a kid, uh, you know, in like the late 80s. And you know what? I found Franklin Jella as Skeletor terrifying. So, you know what? I don't care. Hey, to each (laughs) their own. But now we've we've entered, we're introducing... 
you know, this council, what are we going to do about Psycho Goreman? And Templar Pandora is introduced, and she is the, the lead antagonist, really. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a good guy, allegedly. is supposed to be the antagonist, because we're, we're going to be rooting for Psycho Goreman, mm-hmm. who is decidedly evil. Right. But she wants to kill him. Yeah. Wants to kill him. And they're like, I don't know if you can do it or not. And they're, you know, so they have kind of an exchange there where she's threatening them. You don't think I can do it. Fun fact. When you see the costume, you'll get it. The actress could not see out of that costume. Because mm-hmm. she had these weird, like, wing things where mm-hmm. eyes would be. So they had to lead her around the set. And I also want to point out, because this, it just made me geek out so hard. When I first got my first Twitter account, Krista McCullough, who plays Pandora, or at least the Pandora that's in her monster form, was one of my first Twitter followers. And I was like, ah, that's so cool. So I just wanted to say that. She's awesome. Love you, Kristen. (laughs) So Pandora says, you know, she needs a disguise. So she says, bring me a human. So they bring this lady and she uses some kind of like golden force field cube to compress her into like the lament configuration, but made out of meat. (laughs) It's very gross. And then she smashes it and smears the blood on her face and turns into this human woman. And that whole council's just sitting there with their mouths open and like covering each other's eyes. It was hilarious. How, how else would you react to it? (laughs) Um, What the hell just happened? I'd probably be sitting there going, sweet. (laughs) But again. You got problems. I I do. I do. So I know I say cut to, but that's pretty much how this movie goes. Uh Uh-huh. Right. You don't get you don't get a lot of wipes and that sort of thing. And I'm sure that Travis over at Podmortem, he's a film guy, so he would... He would be able to talk about that. I don't know enough about it to talk about it, but he would get it. Um, so we cut to uh, Mimi, Luke, and Alistair going to the factory. They're going back to retrieve PG. And Luke's carrying this damn TV. And it's well, it's an old tube TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, can somebody else help with this? And they were like, no, you got it. <laughs> and Alistair's supposed to be his friend, but he's like right on there with Mimi. Yeah. Like, now you got it. Making him carry that heavy-ass TV. <laughs> Those <clears throat> suckers were not light. <laughs> so the whole point is that they brought PG Entertainment. So uh-huh. they got him a TV so he can watch cartoons. And they got him, I think there were some snacks in there, but they brought him magazines. And Mimi apologizes for not bringing him any pornos. But, you know, she tells him he could look at Hunky Boys. And he opened it up and it's like an underwear ad. And he's like, I do not care for Hunky Boys. Or do I? Best part of the movie. I'm just going to say that. This whole movie is great. But, or do I? By Curious PG is my favorite thing. <laughs> it's great. It's just so serious. Here's the deal. That line delivery wouldn't work except coming out of a giant foam rubber monster. Right. <laughs> it's just his eyes narrow in on it. What is that guy? Frankie G or something? I have no <laughs> Something idea. like that. And he just narrows like he's really thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. So then we get PG's backstory. Because you're like, who are you? And so he's he's telling his history of how he found the stone and overthrew his repressors. Because the Templars were like, had basically enslaved his entire race. And mm-hmm. he found the stone and he got all super, he went super saiyan and was killing everybody until they imprisoned him and took the stone away. And this it is when. It kind of felt very wishmastery to me. It kind of did. <laughs> Right. Just got to throw that out there. Uh, and you get introduced to the his generals, the Paladins Obsidian. So the reference now because they're going to show up later. We don't know they're going to show up later, but they do. And then it, the kids leave the warehouse. So it's just PG hanging out with his hunky boy magazines and some snacks and TV. And he decides, I need to contact my generals. So he does it through a TV, puts his hand on top, and the TV's like blood starts coming down the screen. And he basically says, hey, come kill these kids and get the stone back. Come get me. And mm-hmm. so they say, we are we are on our way. And so now it's dinner time again. And dad cooked dinner. And he did fantastic job he microwaved a rotisserie chicken which is fantastic and it it looks awful it didn't even look like okay so like if you take a rotisserie chicken you know you have to slice your your parts off but these look like 
actual little dried out breast. So it didn't look like he actually carved it off for him to chicken. He probably in. didn't have to because when it shows it in the microwave, like he left it in the little plastic tub and it exploded inside the oh, microwave. Oh yeah, it was a mess. It was disgusting. And him and <laughs> him and him and the wife get into it, obviously. Um, and the whole time, I can't go through all the lines, but the interactions between dad and basically everyone else just to illustrate what a just useless human he is. Uh-huh. He's lazy. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't care. It's all it's all about him. So in a way, Mimi is the perfect mesh between mom and dad. Uh-huh. Mom is very, very aggressive, and probably rightly so, because the dad's a piece. I'd, I'd be pretty pissed. But she is super aggressive, and dad is super self-centered. And so very those, laid back. Yeah, but when you put those two things together, you end up with a very aggressive, self-centered person, and that's Mimi. <laughs> so see the over-the-top acting, not that far off. But I, I do love where she's like, she's looking at this microwaved chicken and she's like what did you do and he's like i cooked a delicious dinner for my family you're welcome (laughs) you're welcome yeah it's the best (laughs) so you get a shot there mimi in a room and she's holding the stone and she calls pg to come so he shows up at the house well i think this is because luke and alistair blew her off and she's like they're playing nintendo 64 right and she's like I guess I'm just going to go play by myself. So then she calls PG. Yeah. So he shows up and uh, they're, out there, they're out there in the yard talking, which by the way, the backyard that they are filming in, every shot that was in the backyard was actually filmed in the backyard of one of the producers, um, which I thought that was interesting. They just let her shoot it in the backyard at mm-hmm. her house. So neat stuff. So Mamie asks PG if he, what, you know, what kind of stuff he can do. And he goes through all that. I can destroy the world and, and all this crap. And she's like, can you make Alistair less of a doink? And so he does. He, he turns him into... <laughs> A giant, like, waist-high brain. With tentacles. He looks like Kang. He looks like Kang from the Ninja Turtles cartoon. I hadn't thought of that. Yep. Minus the, the, next minus the mouth, because he doesn't have a mouth. Right. He looks like Kang. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Giant brain with two, like, tentacle arms. I keep thinking about, um, in the shop, like, how I can recreate that doll. Like, just crochet a big, giant brain and put big, blue, googly eyes on it. I've got to figure that out. You gotta figure it out. <laughs> So now maybe introduces, she introduces PG to the parents and she's talking about everything's fine. I got the stone. I'm under control. Don't worry. And PG goes, be worried. (laughs) (laughs) And the parents' reaction is just priceless because they're obviously just terrified out of their gourds. Yeah. So the, and that's, that's kind of, that's a theme through the whole movie. She is saying one thing, don't worry, I got this. And he's, she doesn't have this. Yeah. um, The whole time. And you're not the boss of me. Yeah. Which comes up. It does. (laughs) So we have this whole thing. Parents are not feeling great about it. It's time for some music. And it's your favorite song now, right? I'm the heckin' best. And the best part about it's it off. is that they get Psycho Gorman on drums. Like, I guess she used the stone to command him to learn how to play drums. Now, very few montages hold a special place in my heart. Like, obviously, Rocky Four's multiple montages being on the top of the list but this is a solid number two i love this scene the song is fun it's infectious it's very it sounds very similar to rebel yell like i sorry excuse me guys but every time i find myself end up singing this song and i'm I'm like i'm the heckin best and then yeah 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 and then i always want to follow it with with a rebel yeah <laughs> Like, it just fits together so perfectly. Oh, you're going to get hate mail from Billy Idol now. I'm sorry. But it's such a fun song. And I heard one um, criticism that, you know, well, why, you know, why is she saying heckin' and friggin'? And that's, you know, that's so over. And I'm so sick of people saying that. She's like, what, 10, 12? Yeah. Is she really going to be saying fuck off? I mean, I'm a pretty laid back parent, but if... 
Isabel just walked around being like, fuck off. I'd be like, excuse me. Well, that's that's one of the things about this movie. You get a lot of gore, uh-huh. right? A lot of blood. I don't think there's any profanity in there. I don't remember catching any profanity in this movie at all. You know, I... It's either heckin' yeah. or friggin'. Yeah. Frig yourself, frig you, frig off. <laughs> and you know what? I love it. I'm just going to say that. So we got our montage of fun. Yeah. They're doing stuff. They're singing. They took PG to get a new out, a new outfit, doing some wardrobe changes. <laughs> Uh, they finally settle on one makes him look like Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. It's the, yeah, it's the it's, friggin', it's the heckin' best. It's the heckin' best. <laughs> and I think it, it's great. Like, then, complete with the sunglasses even, so. <laughs> so, the montage of fun ends at the diner and they're sitting there eating. Shh, Mimi takes Luke's french fries because she's like, I'm the champion and I need my energy. You're fat. She calls him fat through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. She's like, you got enough fatty. Yeah. yeah. He's not. He's not an overweight kid. She's just being horrible to him. Yeah. Uh, and you almost, almost get another little piece of flashback backstory at PG. And she's like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I was hoping to see a little bit more of Gygax. I mean, because it's brought up several times. But every time that we kind of get a glimpse into it, Mimi just like interjects with a like, this is not about you. Shut it. Yeah, it's about me. <laughs> it's about me. Yeah. But it's fantastic. And this, you kind of get two things. The first, which is when... PG just picks up the whole plate and he like like he's like the creeper on Jeepers Creepers right kind of like opens his mouth or the predator the mandibles and just kind of stuffs the whole plate in there now you can see like he can sort of there's some body transformation oh oh, you know what Blade 2 those vampires didn't they do that where their chin would split open and it would spread out yeah yeah so like that keep that in your okay so he totally ripped off everything (laughs) but it introduces that that he can do some some body modification Uh uh-huh and you notice, you see that he notices the interaction between yes. Mimi and Luke. Yes. So later that night, he comes to him in a dream. So I love this part because you, you we've already been discussing about, you know, the, the obvious influences that the director had. And this one has got to be the piece de resistance, which is this huge reference to Phantasm. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Phantasm, but I have seen it enough times that, you know, when it's referenced, it's very obvious, but it is the coolest thing. Like, you got Luke laid in bed and all of a sudden he's surrounded by graveyard and zombies, zombies coming out of the ground. And then PG comes out. Boy. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it it didn't sound that good, you know, unless it was the tall man, but he pulled it off perfectly. Oh, I'm glad he did because I didn't. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> well, I mean, not everybody's Angus Grimm so, no. or PG for that matter. But... Very true. <laughs> but this is where we get the dialogue between him, between him and Luke. And he, I guess... He's, he's calling into question the relationship between Luke and Mimi. Right. Right. About basically what happens when she chooses her life over yours. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, I know she treats you like shit. What are you going to do about it? And this is the, I guess this is really probably the, one of the only serious points in the movie. And Luke kind of, he considers it. Luke's thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's over and that's great because it's time to get back to the ridiculous shit. <laughs> I do like, though, how the scene hovers and there, there's no dialogue between him and the zombies are still just kind of... Well, that's he says, what do we do now? And he says, we, we wait until your dream is over. <laughs> so then they kind of pan out and they're just standing there. Like, very awkwardly. Watching zombies kind of, like, wiggle around <laughs> on the ground in the mud. 
<laughs> so they just they needed to top that off with like maybe a few seconds of the score from Phantasm, and I think that would have just taken it over the top. I think they call it copyright infringement. <laughs> maybe, but but it would have been fun. The the score for Phantasm, if nothing else, is brilliant. So the next morning, we're back at school. Well, we're not really back at school, I guess, at, at a playground. Right? It looks like it's probably a basketball court. And it looks like it could be on the weekend or something. Like, there's nobody there. And it's time for Mimi to teach everybody how to play Crazy Ball. Crazy Ball? That's right. <laughs> and it, it doesn't go well. Like, she goes through the rules. Like, there's actually a montage of her doing the rules. That's right. how many weird maneuvers and rules and jumping jacks and sucker punches are in this game. It's very convoluted. It's insane. Yeah. I actually wish that it was a real game. It'd be hilarious to watch. <laughs> Just go buy a bunch of balls and make the kids play with us in the backyard. No, I mean like like dodgeball or or, uh, or basketball. Like make a league for it. <laughs> Shit, let's do this. We're going to throw dodgeballs at each other. And then if they hit, you go out there and punch each other to death. So if anybody wants to put together a league, just let us know. And there's actually a website called Plastic Meatball. Uh-huh. They picked up the license to do the toys and stuff. And they were sold out of just about everything. But one of the things I found out that was really cool, they have crazy ball balls. Like and it's like... A kid? It's like the playground dodgeballs, you know, the smaller ones. Uh-huh. That say crazy ball on them. Oh, We should get some of those. I didn't see if it came with rules. Oh, I hope I mean, it would have to. Can you imagine the shipping on a manual that size? <laughs> I don't weigh, know. It would weigh 50 pounds. Maybe it's, in, it's left up to interpretation for whoever owns it. And maybe that's the idea is that everybody has to create their own crazy rules for it. But... Yeah, hopefully the rules, if, if it had a rule book, it should be available for digital download. I feel download. like <laughs> between three kids, we could probably have a substantial list of rules. That's fine. And London, they'd be London's ridiculous. on my team. I want London on my team. <laughs> Aid stronger, so London's meaner. And Isabel's Mimi, so I would pick Isabel. <laughs> so this is the point where the police show up. Now I didn't see someone see them out there and call the police. They just sort of randomly showed up. Right. right? There's no whoop whoop. <laughs> so yeah, there's none of that. <laughs> so the police show up and one of them pulls his gun, PG grabs him, and like tendrils come out of PG's arm and go into the cop's arm. Mm-hmm. And he's like got a hand on the gun and it like welds the gun it's to the police video officer's drum. hand. Like very Cronenberg. That's, yes. <laughs> I was thinking, I've seen crap like that before where it's very... Long live the flesh. <laughs> very moist looking. <laughs> Don't say that word. Yeah, very body I, horror. Ugh. And that's it. Video drone. Yeah. And the guy just melts. He like, does. Right? He looks like the guy at the end of Robocop. You know, the one that gets splashed in acid and then they hit him with the car and he sort I of explodes. I don't think that there's any beating that because this looks silly, but the scene from Robocop is straight nightmare fuel. I'm just saying. I'm almost 40 and that still freaks me it's, out. It's melting <laughs> human, right? You get melting human. But the, it's actually Biocop. And Biocop was a short film also done by the same director. And mm-hmm. this was the same actor just basically reprising his role as Biocop. Yeah, right? like what, like after 10 years or something like that? Yeah. That's very cool. That's that's a lot of dedication. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Biocop stays with him and he tells the, the surviving two police officers to go and tell, basically. Mm-hmm. So at the police station, he's freaking out trying to tell these other police officers what he saw. And Pandora walks in wearing her human skin suit. Also, it's Biocop's birthday and I felt... That was so sad. Like, they have his picture, like, his, his forest picture, I guess, sitting there. But there's, like, a birthday cake and a banner that says happy birthday. I'm like, oh, man, that would have to suck if for be your birthday. And then you just, like, turn into the Melting Man. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, there, isn't there an old horror movie that's called The Melting Man? I think so. <laughs> we'll have to check that out. 
So she's in there asking about, you know, have you seen this guy, this giant monster, blah, 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 is going to destroy the world. And one of the cops is like, you're crazy. But another one, he's like, I know what you're talking about. I've seen it. So she does like a Vulcan mind meld on him and his eyes start glowing. I'm sure he died. It didn't show it. But there's he no had way to have. he survived that. Like nobody that ever gets their eyes burned out ever lives to tell the tale. No way. I mean, we've seen Supernatural. <laughs> so, so PG... Uh, Mimi, Luke, and the bio cup are walking through the forest. There's nothing, nothing that says where they're going. They're just they're walking through the forest, and this is where you actually get to meet the Paladin's Obsidian. But on the way there, I, I've got to say that this is like. Biocop is one of my favorite characters because I I couldn't imagine the excruciating pain. I mean, you would, he's making all these weird moaning noises and you, you just, you, you get the feeling that he's just like in this perpetual state of just agony. And so meanwhile, he's, he's using his little weird arm gun to just like fire off. Like he fires off at random and it's hilarious. Or he just randomly shoots himself in the head and he writes Mimi this this little note on a little heart cut, like heart-shaped paper. It's like paper. Valentine. Yeah. And it's like, please kill me in his own blood. <laughs> He's like, like one of the Night of the Living Dead zombies, but with his brain still intact. But the locomotion is still the same, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have good uh, body control. Uh, no, 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 no. At he's, all. He's absolutely gimping it. At one point he tries to shoot himself. <laughs> like, it's like I could tell if he missed or if he shot himself in the neck, but that yeah, didn't kill him. I think he was going for the head, but yeah, he definitely. And he's making in the zombie neck. noises there. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like Shaun of the Dead zombie type yeah. noises. And Mimi's just like giving him shit. Like she's so over it. She doesn't care. She's like, "You're you're gross." And they don't care about him at all. I told you if you were gonna write a note, you needed to write me a love note, like about how wonderful I am. <laughs> well. Love is for losers anyway. That's what Mimi says. That's true. And they they discuss. Yeah, because PG asks what love is love. at some point. Yeah. And Luke tells Mimi, "Yeah, I thought you were in love with Alistair, who is a giant brain now." <laughs> and Mimi responds, "How did that go?" Um, she says she's like, "We're just friends that are gonna get married and be together forever and fight a lot, just like mom and dad do." Which, to be fair, is real marriage. <laughs> That's. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that wrong? <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what you do. You marry your best friend and you save them forever. And, yeah, over the course of, in our case, 20 years, you're you're going to fight. <laughs> but now that's pretty accurate for this movie, though, because that's basically all their mom and dad do. Oh, yeah. I would just say fight we, all the time. We, we don't ever really fight, but it, it still, I thought that was pretty hilarious because... For some of the complaints this movie gets, and as over the top as it is, there are some things that are very firmly grounded in reality. You know, no family is going to be the the cleavers or whatever. You're going to have parents that fight with each other. Um, you're going to have siblings that are like basically trying to kill each other. We got three. We know all about it. And so I do appreciate that amidst all this crazy goings on that they do touch on some things that are relatable just a little bit, albeit in a like over dramatized way. But you know what I mean? <laughs> you catch my trip. Oh, don't try to read too much into this. You're going to ruin it for me. <laughs> I like it when you get a movie that's not trying to beat you over the head with some <laughs> message. I just, yeah. But I will say that it does show that families are not perfect. Yes. Now, this one's a lot less perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's it's remarkably less perfect <laughs> than some others, but 
What was that? She's like, like you're going to need to pick up some extra shifts at the pharmacy. Yeah, that's what he's telling her so she could pay for his new TV. Yeah, he's such a dick. Oh, <laughs> God. Anyway, so we figured out, we know about love, and we know that Bioman wants to die. So we're back to the Paladin's Obsidian, right? Uh-huh. They ran into him there in the forest. And this, we're going to go, we'll go back to creature design and costumes. They're pretty great. They're really right? awesome. It, it's original. Now, you're probably going to, if you watch this movie and you're going to say, those are not great costumes. But they are great costumes. When have you ever seen anything like it before? And originality goes a long way for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. I totally get it that they're the type of costumes. They put them in a movie, but you'd probably see them show up at some kind of con. Right? Right. That somebody made them in their garage. But so, who knows? They may, may have made a garage. I don't know. And I mean, those would still have to be expensive to make. That's but not something you can just put together with tinfoil and toothpicks. I like it that somebody put thought into it. They didn't just go rip off something else that they saw. No. These are original movies. One of them even looks like Claptrap from Borderlands. <laughs> if any of you have ever played the Borderlands games, one of them He even looks sounds like Claptrap. <laughs> a little bit. He doesn't talk as much as Claptrap does, so that's a good thing. Yeah. But I think it's fantastic. A very evil version of Claptrap, of course, but yeah, and he shoots like he's blood. filled with like body parts, and it's like it's almost like he's a blender almost because he's filled with these body parts, and they like grind down so that the blood ends up shooting out of the pistols in each arm. It's, it's, he's got a blood water gun, yeah, <laughs> in each arm or for each arm. Yeah, super cool. It's a completely useless weapon, <laughs> and then as we find out, but. And then a Cassius 3000, he's got like a bird sitting on his shoulder. It's very reminiscent of Clash of the Titans. That like He's like a pirate robot. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like that little uh, metal owl. That was the first thing I thought of. But very, very cool. For Clash of the Titans. Yeah, very cool creature designs. I, but not I the cannot... new Clash of the Titans. Like the 1970 <laughs> whatever Clash of the yeah. Titans. The claymation Clash of the Titans. Yeah. So... But very good. Like, I cannot sing the praise of these uh, prosthetics and makeup work. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, and I think probably a lot of the reason that the effects are the way they are is because Stephen Kostansky has got a ton of movies to his credit. He's got a lot of them as a director. He's got a few as a producer. But the bulk of his work is as a makeup guy. Mm -hmm. It it appears that that's kind of where he got his start. He's got a ton of credits doing makeup. Mm Mm-hmm. So I bet he had a huge impact on this. Clearly, he's got a lot of experience on it. And I think that maybe having somebody who's got a lot of experience with that, you get a better result in terms of creature creation and makeup. And I heard the name Todd Masters thrown in there, too. And if that's like the Todd Masters I'm thinking of, he did like a lot of work on like Evil Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, the guy's the guy's known for some pretty awesome effects. So if you got somebody like that on your team, that can only help. Yeah. So basically, the five generals have established sort of a democracy where they share the person being in charge <laughs> and they have the crown of the whoever's in charge thing. That week. So that everyone gets a turn. That's actually what they say. So that everyone gets a turn (laughs) being in charge. And basically they betray PG. They're like, no, we just, we just came to kill you. Like we've decided it's better without you. Yeah. Like you're, you're a prick and it's much more efficient this way. Yeah. But here's the problem is that PG has already told them to kill Mimi. And Luke. And Luke. Yeah. And she's not having it. Uh -uh. You don't get to threaten a tiny dictator like that and get away with it. (laughs) Right? Right. So she uses the power of the stone and her control over him to basically just make him take a beating. Yeah. And they're they're throwing like, him a whooping. Kick his ass, bass. And th- through this beatdown, she's like, do you have anything you want to say to me? <laughs> like, and, are you shitting me right now? And of course, because <laughs> it's filmed in Canada, he does this very, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it cracked me up so bad. We love you, Canada. <laughs> We're sorry, Canada. <laughs> anyway, 
So she's making, she's wanting him to apologize. And he's like, I'm sorry. And she just turns around and walks off. And he's like, wait, I'm sincerely sorry. Yeah. Like calls like, her little one or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually kind of sweet. So she's like, okay. So she uses the stone to basically power him back up. It's a very cool scene. Cause she does like what this little twirl and like all these pink lights shoot up to the rock. And yeah. they have this very 80 cent stranger music or stranger stranger things music pop up and you're like oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's almost like a he-man i have the power sort of yeah <laughs> sort of thing going on right so in pg of course he jumps up and kills all of his generals punches a hole in, in grizzly fashion makes one of them like sticks his head down to like what does it look into the abyss or something like that and then something comes up and rips his face off and yeah uh, oh, yeah, because he tells him he, he's passing on that, the, the whole running thing and that the humans or the monsters the only... The darkness is in you. Yes, he yeah. tells him, like, and Cassius 3000's like, oh my gosh, you're right. But then, yeah, yeah, this hand jumps, like, very Evil Dead style, jumps out of the puddle and, like, rips his face off. So he kills all of them, <laughs> except for the leader of the week. I can't remember his name is. I can't remember his name either. <laughs> Watch the movie. <laughs> so he kills all of them except for that one. And he was like, you betrayed me. But basically he's like, you still did good. I'm going to give you a warrior's you're death. You're worthy of a warrior's death. And then we get to find out what a warrior's death is. And so it's... come to find out he can unhinge his jaw way further than just enough to swallow a whopper. <laughs> right. 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 It's not just for eating Big Macs. He can, I don't know, it's like half his body unhinges. <sighs> It, it turns, okay, yeah. you know the wing things on the Beastmaster that they wrap people up and they dissolve them and then spit them out? Right, yeah. They look kind of like that. Yeah, sort of. So basically he eats him alive and then pukes up a bunch of blood. Yeah, it's it's very gross, but so awesome at the same time. And the effects on that are just amazing. We need to look and see how much fake blood usage, like compare Dead Alive to this movie. Right. Because this movie used a lot of fake blood. They sure did. They used a lot. Yeah. It's a very cool scene. And then uh, PG, you know, because uh, Mimi and Luke are standing there watching this like, holy shit, what the frig? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And so he, he kills them all. <laughs> Gives them a warrior's death. And we think it's good, right? We're good to go. And then CG, or PG says, the horrors you have just witnessed cannot be unseen. Your young minds will carry this until it consumes you in a miserable death. And then maybe it's just cool. Yeah, and I, <laughs> that made my heart so happy because I feel like that's maybe my own personality shining through a little bit. Because if, if you're like me and you started horror at a very early age, which, you know, Travis did not. But if I'm like five years old and I've been watching horror movies my whole life, you know, you get to a point where, yeah, you see something like that and you're like, that was pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> It was. But there's a problem, because PG doesn't get back up. He's laying there. And you get to see he bleeds Pepto-Bismol. Right. <laughs> so he tells them how they, they must have cursed their blades with his blood from a por former battle. Uh-huh. Or something like that, and he's going to die. Mm -hmm. That's what he tells them. He's going to die. What? <laughs> so they're out in the forest. We cut back to mom and dad, and they're having a knockdown drag-out fight at this point. Uh-huh. Not physical, but they're kind of yelling at each other. Because she calls him lazy. She calls him lazy. And he's just, and he's like, he can't my, handle it. My parents called me lazy. My teachers, my called, teachers me called me lazy. How dare you? <laughs> and she's like, well, tell me what you do to contribute. She's like, you don't help with the kids. All you do is sit here and watch TV. What do you do? And it's like, it's like speed. And he's got, what do you do? <laughs> he's got nothing. 
Yeah. He's got no response to it whatsoever. <laughs> so you cut to him sitting on the toilet. Like, hey, you know how you get by yourself after you think of all things. It was a tactical retreat. That's what it was. <laughs> you think of all the things that you should have said in your in that argument later, and you've got better comebacks and all that. He's basically doing that on the toilet. Like, he, he's what did you out, do with your life? <laughs> yeah, he's acting out part of the scenario where he might have won that conversation, but he was not going to win that conversation. No. Not even close. But he gets a message from PG, and it's perfect. It's like the little glowing, sparkling light that's kind of traveling along. It's Tinkerbell. (laughs) Until it gets in front of him, and he reaches out and touches it. And then it sort of explodes, and it's PG's head, huge, and screaming at him. And that's where he falls off the toilet and into the bathtub. If he was having any kind of problem, (laughs) that solved it. Right there. He was regular after that. He had... Things moved along. They moved along quickly <laughs> after that. So he yells at to come get me. I'm sorry. Do I need to cut? No, I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. Uh, so, and, and I've seen a couple of them where there are those wrong people out there that think this part went on too long, but they're wrong. So They're so wrong. It doesn't matter. So he screams at him, basically, come get us. And then the head disappears. And so he's laying there with his like pants down around his <laughs> knees in the bathtub. He's like, I don't know where you are. And then the head pops back in. Ah! And starts screaming the address at him. And then he goes away. And he's laying there and he's like, I still don't know where that is. <laughs> See, so you can hear from our laughter this, so this scene was, come, was great. The head comes back again and starts screaming directions at him. How to get there. I wish I knew the directions. Listen, so I'm not doing it justice. You need to watch the movie. It's funnier than, than I'm making it sound. So he does. He gets his pickup. He goes and picks up PG and the kids. And the whole, So ever since they told him to fill in the hole and he hurt his hand with the shovel, right. every time they ask him to do something, he's like, but my hand. Yeah. Right. And he's got, like my ace, strong hand. he's got like an ace bandage wrapped around it. <laughs> That hand ain't hurt, because he puts PG in the back of that truck just fine. Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with his hand. Uh-huh. He's a faker. But back home, Pandora has showed up at the house uh-huh. and told Mom, like, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. And she's still wearing her human disguise. Mm-hmm. So then they come home. Dad shows up. PG's in the back of the truck. Uh, Luke and Mimi are sitting in the pickup, and PG's like, there's Pandora. She's come to get me. And Mimi says, go beat her up. <laughs> she tells Luke to go beat her up. Yeah. And Luke's like... It looks like the biggest pansy in the world. Oh, cut him some slack. He could, there was nothing that, was he 12, 14 maybe? Maybe 14. There was nothing he could have (sighs) done. Anyway, so they fight a little bit and he's like, fine, he gets out. What we don't know is that he's got, he took the stone. Right. Mm -hmm. I think this is the part where he kind of sneaks the stone away from The old switcheroo. He got her with the switcheroo. And this is when PG's like, show him what you really look like. So she, she she discards her human suit and turns into the big... White angelic thing yeah her real self it's and like an angelic version of guyver yeah the guyver yeah basically basically and i think i would imagine that this was probably inspired by that just a little bit yeah so they leave dad's like you say i never do anything watch this so he takes oh, pg and mimi i just had a thought what's that doesn't isn't there like a form of the character cell in dragon ball z where he kind of has that same like hat thing or <laughs> looks like a giant eyebrow <laughs> i think you're reaching i feel like he had some form where yeah sorry I, I know cell has many forms i don't think so it wasn't even his final form <laughs> it's never their final form <laughs> anyway wow you got way off track there <laughs> 
So they retreat back to the factory. They get PG on the couch. He's all like bundled up, like he's got a cold or something. Like she wraps a blanket around his head. You just see his little it's face. It's a little cow pattern blanket, which yeah. is, you know, for this big scary guy and a little cow blanket, it's really adorable. And he's telling her like, only the gym can save me. I'm going to die. So dad pulls her aside and tells her the story about the baseball card van, about how a total stranger in a white van Wanted him to get in there and look at his baseball cards. And he's like, so I did. He showed me his huge, huge card baseball collection. card collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally not where you expected that That's story to go. That's not what I thought he was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm sitting there waiting for like, oh my God, where's he going with this? Yeah. But and the moral of the story is you need to trust your alien the same way I trusted the creepy guy with the baseball cards. Yeah, which is so not something you ever want to tell a kid. So good job, Dad. And she's just about to do it when Mimi decides she needs a little prayer break. So this, I I may get hate for this. And for anybody who's in our audience that's a Christian, I totally apologize. But I love this scene to death. She She's basically praying. You get like she's seriously trying to pray. But then she completely flips it around like, what, what sunglasses should I wear? And then she just like completely turns on its head and she's like, you know what? I don't care what you think because there's a new god in town and his name's Psycho Gorman. And then she takes this crucifix off the wall and snaps that sucker over her knee. And I can't help it. I screamed at the TV. I was laughing so hard. I was like, get it. (laughs) She puts on her zebra frame sunglasses and walks out. Yep. (laughs) So this is when Pandora shows up, Uh right? And she gave mom this little drink, right? She mixed some colored stuff in she some She makes some food coloring together. She put some food coloring in some water and it turned mom into a Templar, I guess. Uh, a temporary Templar. A tempor- yeah. Temporary Templar. Say that five times Something. real fast. <laughs> like she's got some armor now, right? She looks like she's a Power Ranger too. Yeah. So they show up, Luke's with them, and Luke's like, I got the stone. And basically they just argue back and forth a little bit, right? She's like, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, no, yes. And they just kind of go back and forth. And Luke kind of finally calls her out on her bullshit. And he's like, look, you're always mean to me. You're always picking on me. You're always beating me up. Like you made me eat a sandcastle once. And she's like, now that sandcastle's with you forever. Yeah. And he was like, I, what, I missed a week of school. And she was like, you're welcome. Which made me think of the dad and his, and his busted ass I, chicken. I know. You're I know. (laughs) So he still wants the gem and Mimi tells him, okay, here's the deal. I'll give you the gem so that you can kill that mean lady, but you have to promise that you won't kill us. Right. And she was like, he's PG says, I'm not going to kill you little creature or your family of idiots. And of course you get a, it's like a verbal pinky square. She says, do you mean it? (laughs) Yes. And she's like, yeah, okay. So then dad's like, wait, what about telling him not to kill everyone else on the planet? And Mimi's response is just, yeah, yeah. Oops. I don't care. Like, she doesn't go back and try to amend it or change it. She's like, oh, shit, my bad. Like, I don't... So, If it's their time to go, it's their time to go. So, PG's not quite powered up yet. He's getting a beat down. Pandora moves in for the kill, and he basically requests trial by combat, but not one-on-one combat. Uh He challenges her to a contest that is whatever Mimi chooses. Uh Uh-huh. Well, what's Mimi going to choose? Crazy ball? Every time. So... She's challenging him to crazy ball. And Pandora is very, like all of us thus far, Pandora is very confused. She's like, now what happens with the switcheroo again? Like she can't even get these rolls down. <laughs> she, she says, what's this? What, yeah, but she's, what's the switcheroo? And, yeah. and Mimi's like, if you're not paying attention, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So it's what? It's Pandora, mom, and Luke versus PG, dad, and Mimi. Yeah. It's team heroes versus team suck. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, you kind of, you know how this is going to go. Right. Right. They got Mimi on their team. So it's sort of the same thing. We're going to play some metal. We're going to do some slow-mo. Yeah. We're do a little bit of bullet time. And it all comes down to the switcheroo. Again, it's always the switcheroo. And again, like the first time, it's between Mimi and Luke. Mm-hmm. And you think, like, Luke puts his dukes up, right? He's fixing, he's ready. He's mm-hmm. going to fight it out, right? He's going to at least try to be the first one to land a punch. Yeah. No. And, and as much as I like Mimi, I was kind of hoping that he would show a little bit of backbone. Yeah. No, 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 no. She, like, Rocky Balboa gut punches this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think his toes left the ground. She hit that kid hard. Yeah. And so, they win. So, I don't know. They they get back to this thing where Luke is still telling her, like, you can't keep treating me this way. And instead of an apology, the the best apology Mimi can deliver is to reprise Frig Off. Yeah. So, a mom... <laughs> so. Pandora is is kind of going nuts now. She's pulled her sword and her and mom are, are fighting now because she's, I guess she realizes that Pandora's going to just kill everybody. Yeah. So Pandora and mom have kind of squared off. They're at odds now. And yeah, she does the, the slow, like the acoustic version of <laughs> Frig Off. But everybody. And that's her apology. Yeah. And so, everybody starts to join in on it. Like first it's dad and then PG's like, is this love? And dad's like. Heck yeah, it is. Sing along. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is like my other favorite thing is that Peachy starts singing this to like, frig off. <laughs> yeah. It's great. And then of course, Luke finally. He he hands over the gem, gives it back to me. He sings too. And they, they've obviously made up with each other. He does. It's a very sweet scene of them finally kind of embracing each other as brother and sister and uniting against Pandora. Okay. it's It seems sweet. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. But think about what we just described. He said, you never say you're sorry. She says, fuck you. He says, okay. And hands her the gym. That's that's what she did. Yeah. I'm the heckin' best. Like, yeah, yeah. That whole, that's what the whole song is. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but it's kind of understood that this is so, a thing between them. Yeah. So Pandora goes to swing at PG. Mom jumps in the way, blocks the attack. And she gets turned back into human form or whatever. She's got the gym. She gives it to PG. Mm-hmm. So this is like major steroids for mm-hmm. PG. He like powers up all of a sudden. He's all better now. Yeah. And she's still got her sword. Pandora's still got her sword. And she's like, you're unarmed. What are you going to do? And he's like, I guess I'll have to make my own sword. So he starts ripping parts off of her it's to so fashion cool. meat sword. Yeah. It's like, there's like spinal column in there or or is it entrails? I mean, it's... So it looks like she he rips her spinal column out. Yeah. But she's still standing. I, yeah. I don't know. He, he, like, rips a chunk of her face off that's, like, got her eyeball included. I mean, he, he fucked her up. <laughs> he did. And that's, but it doesn't look like it's, it really does look like a meat cone, sort of. <laughs> it's a meat sword that he's holding. Anyway, it works somehow. So he, like, they're, they're fighting back and forth. And uh, you get your, get your good sword, sword fight. And this is where, and she's like, I'm not going to say it, but. And then she taps it out. I'm sorry, in Morse code. So, yeah. I mean, I guess it's how Mimi's going to apologize to Luke. Yeah. But whatever, she didn't have to say it out loud, but she still said it. So they're fighting. She's apologized. And we get to, like, a shot from PG's perspective of this bloody, torn magazine on the ground. <laughs> and this is just, this is where it broke it. This was one too many, right? <laughs> Pandora has ruined his hunky boys. Not my hunky boys. So it's what he screams. <laughs> Not and Frankie then, G. And then he just beats her down. <laughs> But it's okay, because he gives her a warrior's death. <laughs> oh, yeah. she He's like, I'm going to give you a warrior's death. And she's like, no, not no, that. No. 
(laughs) So he proceeds to do the thing where he like gobbles her up. And of course, Mimi and Luke have already seen this, but the parents have not. And they're like, come on, you guys don't want to see this. But dad's hanging out there like, actually, I kind of do want to see this. I mean, to be fair, I would too. But you know, um, but yeah, they've, they've destroyed Pandora. So this is, I would say the good guys win, but they're not. There is, there is a scene too, where the dad high fives PG and just obliterates that hand. So that hand is actually injured now. Like legit. Faking with, has got a compound fracture in it. Yeah. It's like, it looks like his hands just barely hanging on. Like it's, it's pretty bad. And after the mom, like her powers are taken away, she's obviously like worn out and depleted. And he's like. He goes to her. She's laying on the ground just like, uh uh-huh. And he goes to her and he's like, you need to take me to the hospital. He's such a piece of shit. (laughs) But it's great. Like, as much as I don't like his character, he does get some of the best lines in this movie. (laughs) I think it's funny because this is not really a person that I have to deal with in real life. Right. Right. If it was somebody you had to deal with in real life, you'd be looking for a place to hide the body. But in this movie, it's hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so now PG has the gym. He's won. The bad guy's won, basically. Yeah. And so he's talking to the family and he's he's going to go. He but reiterates he that leaves, promise that he's not going to hurt their family. you and your idiot family. Yeah. <laughs> and he even leaves her with the gym. He's like, I've discovered the power of love. I don't need this anymore. He had it all along. Yeah. So there's a, a portal opens up and you're like, <laughs> this is kind of a cool ending, right? Like, yeah. This is not necessarily how I expected it to go. Uh-huh. But, all right. So we're going to ride off into the sunset. No. <laughs> he opens a portal into a city and as soon as his foot crosses the threshold, he starts just destroying everything. Yeah. Like Godzilla style. Just. <laughs> like a tiny Godzilla. He's just like shooting beams out of his hands. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. I'll kill everyone <laughs> except for you. So you think roll credits, but doesn't. It goes to the news. And the news shows him. Only he's, he really is Godzilla sized now. Yeah. Like burning a city to the ground. Like there's a giant purple naked monster. <laughs> yeah. And he's just tearing everything up. And then that's it. Roll credits. But at the beginning of the credits, we do get an awesome family moment here. <laughs> It's a dinner scene at Alistair's house. So you've got mom and you've got dad and then you got Alistair. He's just a big brain with tentacles. Sitting at the dinner table and mom and dad don't look the least bit bothered. They don't, either they don't care or they don't know what to say. <laughs> I want to see that reaction. It's, like what happens when your child shows up at home and he's a giant brain? <laughs> this was the only one that I thought it's kind of weird. It's not particularly sad. There, uh-huh. I, there's no dialogue. It is, it's just sort of a static shot while the credits roll. Yeah. And you and... got the little tentacle like... <laughs> Just moving around. Like, not doing anything particular. Not grabbing for forks or knives or cups or anything like that. It's just moving. Cued up to, like, this, like, awesome 80s power balance. But that's really the only (laughs) shot that that they have in there that I thought was just kind of awkward. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I think, I mean, on one hand, you're like, oh, poor Alistair. But then it's also really hilarious how nobody seems to be concerned that there's a giant brain at the table. So... (laughs) But then we, you know, we get a couple minutes of credits and then we go to our, um, what do you call it? The galactic, what do you call those people? The galactic council. Yeah. And they're sitting, they're eating their bloodles, which is basically blue 
spaghetti noodles. Like, don't hog them. They're for everybody. <laughs> like, and so they're seeing what PG is, has, is doing, what he's up to. And they basically come to the realization that they're fucked. So they're like, what are we going to do? And one of the guys is like, well, luckily we have a plan, plan B. And he just sets this gun on top of the table. And he's like, who wants to kill themselves first? That's and plenty. that's where the movie effectively ends. Yep. <laughs> Which is perfect. Because you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> So, Travis, what do you think about this movie? I love this movie. <laughs> and again, I, I don't feel like we did it justice. I, I th- we walked through it, right? Uh-huh. But the, the, the way the lines were delivered, the way it was written, you just have to really watch it to appreciate it. This is one of a very, very short, short, short list of movies that I can watch more than once. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times I tend to gauge the quality of a movie on its rewatch value, mm-hmm. right? If it's one that I watch and then I can watch it again next year, mm-hmm. then it's probably not my favorite movie. Right. But if it's one that I can watch it and then maybe three months later be like, yeah, that's on. I'll watch that. Yeah. I'd or, say we've, we've watched this like three or four times since it came out and that's been... Yeah. Or if we can watch it today and then if it shows up on Shudder or if it showed up on TV and it was on, I'm going to stop and watch it. Well, we bought it, so... I mean, I'll, I'll watch it every time it comes on. Yeah. And, and that's... That's high praise coming from me because I'm not generally a huge fan of these. But And if I you're like... as twisted as I am, it's a movie that you can watch with your kids. And we have, the kids have watched it with us several times too. As long as they don't all start acting like Mimi, I'm good. <laughs> but, so the, the character creation I think is, is good. Uh, I like the I like the story. It's a good story. Like I said, it's a good uh, master of the universe, like childhood kind of throwback, just be entertained mm-hmm. type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I could be up for a sequel. Actually, I could have been I could have done with this movie being a little bit longer. It was only ninety nine minutes. So mm-hmm. I mean, I realize that's not short, but it's not overly long either. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some things like some PG backstory that I would have been interested in hearing. Uh, maybe not character development, but just more character interaction with Mimi and the world at large. Mm-hmm. Definitely more time in Gygax. Yeah, yeah, which is funny. Speaking of Gygax, I don't know that we ever even named the planet that he's from, but Gygax could be, it's not confirmed, could be sort of a a nod to one of the co-creators of Dungeons & Dragons, Gary Gygax. Mm -hmm. So We're D&Ders in this house, guys. (laughs) A bit. A bit. Our son's RDM. (laughs) So, I don't know, I could do a sequel. Like, I think they should make another one. Uh-huh. They didn't close it off, right? You got the family doing the family thing. Mm-hmm. PG's off destroying the rest of the Earth. The Galactic Council is getting ready to shoot, shoot up themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. I could I could do it with another one. I think it's a great movie. You should buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Is it still on Shudder? Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely on Shudder. So if you have a subscription, you know, go check it out. It's great. Like I said, we bought it because we watched it a couple of times and we're like, we're just going to buy this because, you know. So as of August 7th of 2021, it's still on Shudder. Yeah, and I think it was released exclusively on Shutter, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was uh, VOD maybe, at first, where you had to rent it, or maybe they just got the exclusive streaming rights. Yeah, uh, it, ha- it had a period of time where you had to rent it, but then Shutter did release it. Where yeah. now, if you have a subscription, you can watch it. Yeah, but now you can get it on Vudu as well, right? Yeah, we bought it on Vudu. So anyway, that's my that's my thoughts on it. How about you? Um, obviously, we've talked to death about the things that we loved in this movie. I I had way more likes in this movie. Than I had dislikes. My dislikes were so, so very few. Like I had at least one entire page of things that I loved about it. Um, the only small complaints that I had was I felt like the family dynamic was inconsistent. Had they set it up to be like the parents were shown at the beginning where they're just these very cool, laid back, 
cool parents. Um, I think I would have enjoyed if it had stayed that way. Um, I realized that parents fighting and stuff is a little bit more realistic, but for me, it kind of took it out a little bit. It, it was kind of a disappointing thing. I was like, oh, because dad's not a good person, you know? He's No, he's he, a real piece of shit. He's a shitty dad. And when he was, you know, when he was doing the thing where he was going to fill in the hole at the beginning of the movie, he was like, oh, my hand. I really thought that was funny because I thought that was a whole sarcasm thing. Like, oh, my hand, guess you guys are going to have to do that. But then you find out, no, he's really like milking this cow. Yeah. And that was just... He says, I think I'm going to take another few more days off work until my hand gets better. Yeah. And it was just, it was so shitty. And so that, that disappointed me a little bit. And then, like I said... Some of Mimi's stuff was just a little over the top. It wasn't enough for me to not enjoy it at all. Like I said, she did a great job. I mean, she's obviously very talented. She has like a theater singing or dance background or something. She's a, a theater actor. Yeah. This was her very first movie. Yeah. And so the little girl can sing. She can dance. She was, you know, she had a very physical role, um, even with just the crazy ball stuff. So I give her all the accolades in the world. She was tremendous. Um, so it didn't, it wasn't enough to take me out of it, but those are like my only complaints. Everything else was just, I love, I love, I love, I love. And we walk around this house now quoting it. I'll get frig off stuck in my head for like a week. Um, I don't care how annoying people think that song is I personally love that song um my kids run around singing that song and it's just fun and how many things in this world can we say are just that it's so few and far between now so yeah maybe it's goofy and over the top but that's why these guys created it it's just something you know to make you feel a certain way you know to make you laugh to you know make you feel like a kid again and you don't get movies like that anymore I mean sure I am a huge fan of slashers and art house movies and so yeah I love deep thinking stuff you know it's why I love David Lynch's work so much but stuff like this it just makes you smile you know and there's just not that many stuff out there that's like that so for me definitely buy it definitely see it if you haven't already seriously get on that okay so that's it for us for Psycho Goreman I really encourage everybody to check it out Ashley who is our content creator of the week so this week we talked about a beloved Canadian film. I found it only fitting to shout out to a beloved Canadian content creator, the guys at Bloodbath and Beyond. You can find them on YouTube. And I know I say this about everybody that I've plugged so far. These guys are funny. They are very knowledgeable. They have separate one-off channels. Like if you like extreme underground movies, uh, one of the hosts, Jay, has a separate channel for that if you like fucked up movies like I do. But in the meantime, they do like retro uh, reviews and a bunch of cool stuff, old stuff, new stuff, cult stuff, things you've never even heard of. So definitely get on YouTube and check those guys out. You won't be sorry. And what about next week? What's on our agenda? What (laughs) are you making me watch next week? (laughs) What am I making watch next week? I wanted to watch this one, which means next (laughs) one you're going to make me watch something I don't want to. You know it. So next week we are going to cover... The 1995 horror anthology, Tales from the Hood, as I promised a few episodes ago. So this film is directed by Rusty Cundiff and gives a foretale story about some creepy things going on in the hood. So join us next week for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be tons of fun. It is going to be tons of fun for you. (laughs) 
So anyway, guys, we're going to take off. And thank you once again for joining us. Thank you for all the support you guys have given us. This week, we're officially on Twitter. Uh, We are able to stream multiple platforms now. So if you haven't already subscribed, do that. Join us over at Twitter. You can find me, uh, well, you can find us at Dead and Married, at Dead and Married on Twitter. Um, Or you can find me, I'm at Spooky underscore Mom 83. And Travis is Travis L 80. So yeah, look us up, say hi, give us suggestions ask us whatever you want to ask and we will we'll here we're here for you and if you want to check out our podbean site i've got links to amazon music spotify itunes all the places that you can find our show you want to share it there it is all right guys well we'll see you next week bye ideas